Uh, Chris and all, welcome to uh, the latest Fearless in Devotion. Uh, you can see it's a bit different today. T uh, Tim is live in the house uh, because he's down. He's, uh, well, in the flat anyway, because he's um, he's down for a concert. And obviously we went to Wimbledon yesterday. Let's start with that. How did you find it? Uh, mixed. It was quite mixed. It wasn't a bad game. It was just a little bit. I don't know. We, you know, we sort of finished strongly. Um, and up until then... Kept ourselves in it. Obviously, lucky with the goal. Very lucky. Um, yeah, very lucky to fight the goal. But if you don't shoot, you don't score. Simple as that. Yeah. And then, obviously, they were good value, really. I mean, it, it, the draw was a fair result. Could have been a lot worse. Had it not been for the Foster save. Yeah. Multi save. Um, I haven't really... The first one's not really clear cut looking back at the the highlights. Right? I don't think either of them are. To be honest, I think the second one is, I mean, a lot of people are saying it's soft, but he doesn't need to nudge you in the back. I mean, as soon as you put hands on anybody in the box, you're always going to go looking for it. Mm. How much you went looking for it, it doesn't really matter because you just give the referee an easy decision to make at the end of the day. So, uh, yeah, daft. Um, it's a bit of shame, really, for O'Connell because he was probably one of the best players on the pitch for us. So, but on the whole, looking, well, there's a point on the board. It's an indifferent start to perhaps what we were thinking for the start of the season, but. You know, it's only two games in and, you know, there's no need for there to be any sort of crazy knee-jerk reactions at this stage of the season. We've seen it elsewhere. There's a couple of Stockport fans that are in meltdown because they've picked up no points after two games. Yeah. Um, they can see it in 97 minutes. It's not as if it's, it's a chaotic thing for them either. But, yeah, you know, it was a good, it was a good day out. We yeah, it was a good it. day out, yeah. Good, uh, good pre-match, good post-match. Yeah. And, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't an amazing game. It's not one that will live on in the memory. But point to point on the on the road, what more can you what more can you do? Yeah, I think I think the team did look a little unbalanced to me. I think they sort of were trying desperately to get McLean started, um, and I'm not really sure. You know, you've got you've got a good left sided player there, so we played him a right side attacking mid, like off Palmer. So I sort of applaud Parky in one sense for trying something a little bit different. I don't think it worked. Um, and I think he should have changed it before before the 70 minutes because there was only one team in it in the second half, and that was Wimbledon. They they were pushing us quite hard. We were finding struggling to uh, to get out. I don't think Palmer could really link up with anyone because he didn't really have a strike partner. He had two attacking mids sort of near him, but not not close enough to really to really make it work. Um, I did actually feel that we were much better balanced in the last 10 minutes when Luke Young came on to actually help O'Connor in midfield, who was getting overrun a little bit. And I think McLean, on his normal, his natural left side, looked quality there. Really, really yeah. good. Some great balls in. Um, you know, I don't know if he's got the legs to be to play wing-back for, for 90 minutes as a 34-year-old. I don't know. Uh, but, but, you know... Probably not. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, I, but then, where's where, where's he signed him for? Do you think he signed him for that left hand, left hand midfield berth of the three? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's an awkward one, isn't it? Because ultimately, there's, there's a bit of versatility with several of those players. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it may, may well be now he's going to have to fill in the left wing back, depending on the Mendy injury. Yeah. Because he was clutching his hamstring. Uh, Annoyingly, neither side decided to play the ball out of place for him to get tended to. No, no, <laughs> so I he chucked Jordan straight on and with Mendy coming off. But I don't know, it didn't look good for, for Tuesday. No, um, I, I, it looks like a hamstring strain to me. 
not me not being a, a trained uh, physiotherapist, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It did, uh, it did, yeah, it looked in a bit, a bit of pain with it. Um, mm. And everybody was, we were all shouting, just go down so at least get the ball out of play. And he went down, they still didn't put the ball out of play. No, no. <laughs> and yeah. neither team, but I don't know. It, I felt a bit sorry for Mendy because he had a lot of the ball yesterday and a lot of people said he was really, really good. I thought he was... I didn't, right. think he, I didn't think he was really good. He was all right, but I think he had a lot of ball, but did he do a lot with it? No. Uh, he didn't really take on his man much. And I think, mm. I think uh, you know, a flying Mendy can do that. Yeah, yeah. He can give the, their defender something to think about. And he didn't really do that yesterday. I think a lot of the times he was picking up the ball. And you're right, you know, the left-hand side was a good outlet for us. I, I think he was he was like grabbing the ball and thinking to come back inside. I don't know if that's because it's a slightly different setup. I don't know if he maybe thought he didn't really have a runner, as in a front two that he could aim aim for. So I don't know if he's changed his game just a little bit because of that. But, you know, it, it he wasn't at his most effective. And I think we looked more effective when, when McLean came, went across to that side towards the end. Um, look, we, we won't sort of dwell too much on Tuesday that much. But I tell you what, it was night and day that from M- MK Dons to to Wigan, wasn't it? That that's the Wrexham I know from last season, wasn't it? It was, it was yeah. a great in in and out them uh, display. Really, really good in midfield. Yeah, one of the most entertaining nil nils we've ever had, I think. Um, and people can point to supposedly a weaker Wigan team or whatever, but you could argue the same for us. It was it was large, not a second string, but a much tweaked yeah. team from the one that lost to MK Dons, but. Everybody said on the spaces we did after the after the, the Wigan game that they would have no complaints if they if Park had started with the same eleven. No, I wouldn't the have game at Wimbledon. Yeah, I wouldn't have. It was never going to be the case because he's already said he's going to be, <coughs> he's going to be you know changing it up as much as he can until he figures out what his settled eleven is. <coughs> Which is quite surprising if he doesn't quite know yet. But mm. um, yeah, I mean the, the usually uh, uh, some cup competitions can be a bit of a distraction, but I think that probably give Parky, plenty of um, welcome headaches yeah. going into the, the next raft of games. And I think Luke Young was unfortunate at the start. Um, very unfortunate, it's got to yeah. be said. And, yeah, I don't know. It, it was really good, really entertaining. People can point to the fact that we didn't score in, in 90 minutes, blah, 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 and, and that we're missing Mullin. Any team's going to miss Mullin, aren't they? It doesn't make, course, it doesn't yeah. make the difference who it is. Um, but it's not as if we didn't create chances. We've had a ton of shots in the first two games. Didn't have as many yesterday. That's credit to Wimbledon. Kind of snuffed us out, hunted in packs, defended really well. Um, and yeah, you know, the, I've seen enough from those first three games to say that we're still going to be okay. Yeah. We, we haven't played great in, in the two league games realistically, mm. but we've not played nothing that's going to concern me too much. That first game is an anomaly in terms of defensive output. Um, but I think we'll be fine. Two home games. We win those two. Seven from that that run of three is quite good. So yeah, yeah no, I agree. Uh, we've been joined by Liam. Uh, hi, Liam. How did how do you enjoy Tuesday? Tuesday, bloody hell! I can't even remember what it is. Um, yeah, the the cup game. Yeah, not not just Tuesday the For, day. Yeah, was... I mean, you might have had a great Tuesday. I don't know, but <laughs> but as this is a direction podcast, not a Liam Randall podcast, we'd probably ask you. Oh, Tuesday to the new light. More's the pity. More... More's the pity that it's not a Liam Randall podcast, but um, yeah, it was good fun. It was after Saturday when I, you know a lot of consternation over um, the result and stuff. It just felt like a bit of a free hit again. Quite nice that it was only a tenner to get in. Um, you know, decent atmosphere as well before the match. 
and I thought played a really good show of themselves, including a lot of players who didn't get a chance um, on on the Saturday. So yeah, players like Luke Young, you just you just get a reminder, um, you know what they're about. I think the penalties at the end as well good for it went to straight to penalties because I could not be bothered being there till bloody 11 o'clock at night or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, decent stuff. Yeah, good. So your two takeaways in, it didn't go on too long and it was cheap. Uh, I'll have that. Um, yeah. Right. We've already talked about Saturday because you were late. So, uh, so you get, you don't get to talk you look, about You both look then. very cosy there, sharing, sharing your microphone. Just do you want to pop your heads just together a bit. Oh, do you want us to kiss? Is that what you want? Yeah, he's, he's basically, got the mic yeah. slightly at the wrong angle. I'm trying to, I could hide my, myself there, but okay. It's fine. I think he's done you dirty there, Tim. I think he's he done that. Yeah, he's, he's got like 70% of the screen, and I've got you know, well, it's my house, my rules. <laughs> um, uh, right, do you know anything about this new keeper? He is he's definitely Irish, uh, um, I know that much, and he came from Sligo Rovers, which is a little known fact about Sligo. It's where Westlife are from. Well, sorry, most of Westlife are from, bar one member. So Which one member isn't? There you from? go. How's that? Uh, Nicky Byrne is from Dublin. <laughs> I can't believe you, wow. were ready. you were ready. Absolutely <laughs> did not know you were a secret Westlife. Well, it's not even a secret. You're not even making a secret of this, are you? You are a Westlife. That, that, no, Becky, but that, that calendar there, that's, that's Westlife as well. All right. It's got date of births, where they're from. Uh, any relations yeah. to any other keepers from? Because uh, one of Westlife was a keeper, wasn't he? If we want, want to go down the Westlife, Nicky Byrne. Uh, yeah, Nicky yeah. Byrne was was a goalkeeper, and he played in soccer aid in goal as well. Um, anyway, that's my embarrassing knowledge about that. Um, in terms of this, Do you actually keeper, know anything about this keeper? God, no. <laughs> oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> look, that's why he's killing it. Like, you're just talking about Westlife instead. No, look, I understand why they signed him. It's we, our keepers are of a certain age. Um, they're all past thirty. Uh, they're <laughs> yeah. well past. 30. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Leighton's injury prone. Uh, Howard, um, you know, is was our first choice last season, but was usurped by Foster. You know, you do need to look at the future on this. I think, is it, am I right in thinking Leighton's injured again? And I think with that, Parky yeah. thinks I need to bring someone someone else in, someone who's better than Calderbank. Uh, I can't even remember. Kai Calderbank Park, who's yeah. now reliably informed he's signed for Berry. Oh, is he? Right. Uh, Cheers, Jabbo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and the other guy, uh, uh, I can't even remember his name. Rory Watson, was it? Rory, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that guy. Um, so, you know, if you've got to have someone who's going to come through and why, you know, who's better to learn from than the likes of Ben Foster and Howard who are good pros. Um, so, yeah, I can see him sort of coming through in the next couple of years. I think it's a good signing, the sort of signing we should be making more of young players with potential who, who can who can come through. Um, right. Um, do you... We're going to uh, invite another guest on in a second just to talk about uh, talk about a little charity venture they've got. But um, do you have any transfer news before we get before we get him on? Do you want me to play? I the, do the indeed. Jingle? Yes. Have you got the jingle ready? You're more prepared I, than me today. No way to treat your house guests. This. <laughs> Okay, that's enough. Quite enough of that. Got me in the mood for me, gig. Right, go on. Give me, give me some, give me some transfer stuff. Well, I might not know a lot about Luke McNicholas, but someone who does is Wonderboy, who has got the uh, 
the intel on that deal. He said he's only on loan at first for budget purposes, quote unquote. Uh-huh. Um, and, and whatever happens, if he joins or not, we will end up paying a fee for him in January, though. Um, but I'm pretty sure that he will stay past past the January window. So that's quite an interesting one because you could end up getting you could get a sort of fourth keeper. You would think on a free, but I think you're right though. Are they looking to the future to try and sort this sort that position out? Because I think I think that's something that a lot of us would like to see. So um, apparently we had five different goalkeepers um, on trial over the summer, um, and this is what they've settled on essentially. Okay, so has he already uh, been on trial? And did he come over across and they took a look at him rather than just plucked him from the from the Irish league? It it sounds like it's probably intel from people we've got at the club. You know, we we've got quite the Irish contingent now, haven't we? Um, so I think it was intel from them that that's, okay. that we've come to settle on him. Um, so yeah, other than that, it's there's a, a lot of things have gone quiet. Um, the virtue thing has gone quiet. Uh, Wonder Boy says, oh, "Can I can I say this word on uh, on a family podcast? The half a million bid for Shamanga is bollards." He said, <laughs> um, which doesn't surprise me really. I did, no, there's I just something about that which didn't didn't really feel right to me. Um, a meeting involving transfers was held on Monday, just being um, where the owners were there. So, be interesting to see if we do see much before the window closes. Apparently, Parky is looking for a pacey striker who can play on the shoulder, which I'm guessing is trying to replace what Mullen gives us for the time being. Yeah. Um, and then any more? For, he's given me... He's. I tell you what, he's very well organised, this wonder boy. He might be a secret agent, but he does a, a big Google document for me now with uh, all the what? latest transfer gossip. He does, does you a Google document? I've had, I've had yeah. the same document. Uh, when you're doing your, your transfer news, I do a one golden nugget information. How true it is, I don't know. Do you want me to tell you it now? Yeah, go on. So go apparently, on. Uh, Ryan Reynolds a video called James McLean to get the deal of a line, fully dressed as Deadpool, to convince him to join. Oh, nice so, one. So, how much truth is in that? I got, I got DM'd about it. Um, thank you to that person. I like it. I, uh, yeah, I like that, really. It, it, it would make a handy little uh, piece for, for season three. The documentary. As far as I'm con- concerned, that's like that's 100% true. That's 100% I like true. I like the idea of it. I, I think he um he Deadpool three is a it, it's a misnomer. It's not happening. The whole thing is a ruse to get James McLean to sign for for Wrexham, and everyone's in on it, including um Hugh Jackman. Uh, but yeah, that film's never going to see the light of day. And that, it worked. We got the man. Yeah. Right. Um. Let's introduce our next guest. Who is just connecting to the audio? This is going to be good. He doesn't sound like a like a proper um, Lower East Side gangster. No, no, Jay's Jay's not a Lower East Side gangster. gangster. Hey, how's it going, guys? Oh, he might be semi gangstery. Yeah, I like that. Jay, you are live. Thank you for thank you for joining us. Now that that was brief story behind this. I met Jay over over in Philly. Um, good good to meet him. He's obviously uh, a fan. Uh, of the club from the documentary and, and before. So just before you get into it, Jay, just sort of say, you know, what what sort of really attracted you to the club? You know, it's it's quite a it's quite a good story, isn't it? That so many Americans are taking this club to the heart. What what was it for you? Yeah, first of all, before we get into it, you know, I'd, I'd like to thank uh, thank you guys for devoting part of your podcast toward towards this effort, and also take the opportunity opportunity to thank all the donors that helped raise uh, almost $1,600 for, 
for the Wrexham Food Bank in the first week of the campaign. So right. thanks to everyone. Uh, as far as, you know, what got me into the um, in, in, into the interested in the town and, and the team was the documentary, right? Um, I had never heard of uh, Wrexham or its team, you know, before, before the documentary, but, um, but I, I instantly identified with, with the town, its people and kind of their story. Uh, you know, I grew up in a similar a- area that was, you know, hit, hit hard in the eighties by man- the drop in manufacturing. And, um, you know, I saw, it, I saw it affect people, in, you know, that I was related to plus people that I went to school with, uh, you know, and, and so instantly, you know, uh, I felt a connection to the area. And, you know, once once you kind of fall, uh, you know, fall in love with the with the town, the people and story, it's it's really easy to root for the team because you're you're basically rooting for the for for the people when you root for the team, right? The, the yeah, team yeah. Is, is so interwo- interwoven in, in the community. So so I, I feel like when I root for 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 Rex of AFC, I'm I'm rooting for everyone in the town. No, no, we we appreciate it, mate. And you came across, uh, you came across for the uh, for the MK Dons game. So tell us a bit more about your your charity drive. So you, you you're linking up with Wrexham Food Bank, which is obviously a, a you know a great charity, one one that's very much needed uh, in in these times. Um, don't want to get political, but you know, yeah, Wrexham uh, is 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 suffering just just like many many other towns. And and yeah, and you and your sort of idea is to is for the international fans who come over and take Wrexham into their heart to really sort of buy into the food bank as well. Yeah. I mean, that, that's sort of the, the, uh, the impetus of the whole idea of the whole concept. So, you know, food, food insecurity is something that's present in every community around the world, unfortunately, but you know, the, the, uh, you know, Wrexham is fortunate to have such a great organization like, like the Wrexham food bank to help support people when they're in need. Uh, and, and the concept is, um, you know, when, when, International fans either come to a, come to a game or or just just come as tourists to to Wrexham, you know, sort of contribute to community while you're there, right? Like we certainly, you know, the 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 town and just like the team is is on the up, right? Businesses are doing great, um, you know. There's a spirit in the community that that's just palpable, right? But you know, like any any community, there's always some people that are sort of struggling at, at any given moment. So th- those are the people that I'm trying to reach. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the concept is, you know, we, we go there, we, we have a great time. We meet wonderful people. Uh, and, but we all, we should also try to contribute to the area uh, as well. So, so my thought was, you know, I, I once I, once I, once I realized that, um, that I had secured a ticket, which I didn't think was ever going to happen. Um, then I thought to myself, like, what can I do while I'm there? And what can I do me? Uh, or, you know, can I leave some type of, uh, something that's going to outlast my, my three or four days stay there. So, so this is the concept I came up with. It was actually inspired by a tweet that I saw uh, from Leighton Cox, one of the, one of the cameramen who, um, who uh, worked on the document on the documentary, you know, I was kind of struggling for a few days trying to figure out how I could, you know, have even a small impact on the community. And once I saw that, that tweet, that was pretty much the inspiration. Then I was off and running and trying to talk to everyone I could in Philadelphia I mean, uh, and so, you know, Andy was one of the one of the people that I wanted to get a hold of and just just let him know, hey, I have this concept. Do you think it would work? Do you think people would support it? And so far, the reaction has been good. So. So here we are. Um, what are the mechanics of it, Jay? Is it as simple as if people come across and, and just give some money to the food bank or is there like a, a site or, a, or or something that they can visit to to do it? Yeah. So we have a link and a QR code. 
that can take you to the Inter International Dragons Fund landing page on the Food Bank's website. Or um, so, uh, uh, so you know, that's in the tweet, and I've also sent it to you guys, so hopefully you can flash it up on the screen for a little while. Uh, and also, you could just Google the Rex Rexham Food Bank, go to their homepage, scroll down to where it says Give Help, click there, and then you should see Donate to International Dragons Fund. Click on that, and then it takes you to the Just Giving page um, that's dedicated to that campaign. And then you can donate, uh, hit the donate button. You can donate, you know, dollars, pounds, euros, whatever currency. And um, the good thing about the Just Giving um, website uh, using that, uh, yeah, the thing about the Just Giving website is that um, it'll transfer the funds directly into the food bank's account in just a couple of days. So, so your donation will be put to work right away to help those in crisis. Jay, that's great. I, I was just sharing the, uh, we're not very technically minded here, but I think that works. <laughs> I think uh, we're sharing <laughs> I the, saw the, it. QR, yeah, the QR code. And obviously we'll put it in all the links for this and on the site again. Uh, Jay, we're going to give a donation to to the food bank from from the Fanzine Stroke podcast. Uh, uh, a little bit of the proceeds we got from the charity draw, which we did uh did uh, did on Thursday. So you know you've inspired us, and hopefully you'll you'll inspire a lot more people to do this. Um, what did you think of the game yesterday, Jay? Uh, yeah, you know I I'm sort of disappointed that we didn't come out with three points. Uh, I thought we you know we had some good chances. Um, you know, I, I, I did like the lineup. He, he, you know, Parky kind of mixed it up a little bit. Um, uh, you know, I would have liked to see Luke Young come on, come on the field a little earlier, maybe. You're not uh, the only one. Cause they like, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I like the way, uh, you know, the ball runs through him and the play runs through him. Mendy's been incredible since, since, uh, since his, uh, you know, games here in the U S so he's been a great, uh, uh, you know, a, a great uh, player for the, for the, for the team. So, you know, it'll, it'll be great to get Mullen back, but uh, you know, I think we, I think we do have the weapons to, to, to hang in there and win a few games, you know, while we wait for Mullen to get back. You know what? I think you're right there. I think this, this period is all about trying to pick up as many points as we can until our main man gets back. Uh, Jay, on a slightly different note, have you ever heard of Sean Pearson? Uh, I did, I did see, uh, your earlier podcast, but right. you know, I didn't, I didn't know, um, I didn't know a lot about him prior to that. Uh, yes, he's been, he's been called many things, uh, the worst dressed person and incredibly boring, I think were two of the things that, <laughs> I think, didn't, didn't Rebel say he was, did he? Wow. Boring person. Boring. Um, uh, so, uh, basically Jay, we've got part two of, uh, of this interview coming up now where you'll hear more from, uh, from, from Sean. So, Take it away, Sean. Um, let's move on now anyway to the 2019-2020 season, Sean. Um, maybe the less said, the better, really. Uh, I mean, re recruitment in the summer uh, was interesting. Uh, I, I, Andy's written some names down in our brief. I'm not I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, no, do it. Do it. No, what I, what, what I wanted to ask you was, um, you know, what was the first day of pre-season like? Was it one of those moments where you kind of, Oh God, we're in trouble here. There's there's a there's a lack of quality. No, 
not not straight away, to be honest with you. No, uh, we signed JJ Hooper, who JJ like ability and potential wise was without a doubt better than the the conference. Uh, not a bad lad in any way, anything like that. But meant it, it was his mental side of his game that he like JJ for me wanted to play off somebody all the time, wanted to play off a big man basically. But he to me, should have been that big man. You know, he had all attributes to be that guy. I remember playing Barrow first game of the season and he was superb. And I remember thinking like, this is what we've needed. Like, this is bang there. And then, you know what was funny that season? I remember if you'd have stopped the game after 70 minutes away at Boreham Wood, the second game of the season, you would have thought this is, that was the best 70 minutes of any Wrexham team I played in away at Boreham Wood. 2-0 up. We were absolutely brilliant. Devontae Redmond was fantastic. They brought on um, plays for Wales, the winger Thomas Sorba Thomas, is it? Yeah, it's yeah. and he completely changed the game. And we ended up drawing 2 2 in the last minute. Um, and I remember all the lads on the bus on the way back, like, who was that guy that come on? Because he was like, he was phenomenal. Um, but if you'd have stopped the game after 70 minutes, I then I, and someone said to me, We're going to be down the bottom end of the table, I just wouldn't have seen how that was possible. Um, but the one thing that happened within that group quickly was character-wise just wasn't a good group. Not, not, and this, this is not a reflection on any individual. Sometimes you get groups of players that come together, click and get on really well. I always felt as I was a good leader. That was without doubt the group, whether I was captain or not, at any club in my whole career, that was the group. I just felt like I didn't have an influence over really. Didn't like, no matter what, didn't feel as though people responded responded to me as a person, found it really challenging um, from a personal point of view. Uh, a little bit, I, said, I, got, I went back to it, like we were, I'd, I'd love to look back at the results, but say I'd not the first 18 games or whatever, I'd be amazed if we lost more, but the games we lost, I, I would imagine we lost most of them games by one goal and drew a lot of games. And what that said to me was actually as a team, we weren't far away. Like we beat Harrogate and drew with Harrogate. We beat Barrow. They were the top two. Our record, I think we drew away at Notts County. They were third. I think we still had to play them at home before obviously it got stopped. Actually, our record against the top teams was pretty good. It, it was So that tells me that's the fine margin, which is generally organisation, things like that, and your mental approach as a group was what we come up short with. Um, and I always remember... Brian Hughes was such a nice guy, like, in terms of sometimes you're almost like, come on, just get after the group. Like, you need to, like, he was so positive all the time and that's how some managers are, the style. Um, I just remember thinking, like, even when he got sacked, text me the nicest message to send on to the players and I'm just thinking, like, this group of players has just got you the, just got you the sack, like, that we failed him, really. And he couldn't have been any nicer about the group still. Um, is that is that what it is, do you think? Is if you had to put your finger on it, was it uh, almost a too nice to be a manager? Yeah, I, no, I don't think you can be too nice to be a manager, but I think mm. there has to then be that balance. Graham Barrow, for example, what I said about Sam. Sam mm. very rarely lost his head. You knew when he was not happy, but very rarely lost his head. But he had Graham, which then... I think he, Darlow obviously was in one day a week and... It worked really well under Keatsy, as in terms of how they had structured that. It didn't, in my eyes, work as well under Brian Hughes, under Sam. Sam generally took nearly everything anyway, so he was quite 
bit of a control freak, so to speak, as in terms of that side of things. Um, and then obviously Brian Flynn was just it was just such different like it's chalk and cheese. Like Brian Flynn, very old school, uh, funny, like really, really funny on a day to day basis. Um, but and then Darlow, really modern. And then Ryan, who's obviously a little bit in the middle, trying to like use Ryan Flynn, trying to use Darlow. And it just, for whatever reason, it just never got going. And I'll be honest, I remember we lost that maidenhead. This is obviously after Dean had taken over. And I remember thinking like, I remember ringing my dad. It was Christmas, so it might have been boxing. No, it wouldn't have been boxing day. It might have been the game after the 28th or 29th or whatever. It was around Christmas anyway. Um, I remember thinking, ringing my dad and being like, I, I, I don't see how we're going to get out of this site. It, it was really, really... The group was so low on confidence. And I look back at the job that Dean did in that second half of the season and and people say, oh, we were lucky. Actually, our form in the second half of the season, really, we weren't winning every game or anything like that, but we were picking regular points up. I think we'd won seven out. Uh, we'd got seven points from the last four games before, before obviously, the season got curtailed. And again, had a perfectly good goal against Eastleigh, which would have made it a win the, pre- the last game to make it mm-hmm. three wins. Um, so I think I'm more than confident we'd have gone on to stay up. Um, I actually think the teams that were five, six points clear of the drop were the ones that were really vulnerable because we were in reasonable form. Um, yeah. Fylde had won the last two. There was different teams picking up. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Dean gets enough credit for the, the job he did in the second half that season. Really, that's interesting. I was going to say, was it what was the reaction in the camp when he was brought back? Was it kind of like... Was everyone quite relieved? Obviously, people would have played under him before. Yeah, yeah, I, I was pleased because I knew how he worked. Definitely helped me get back to better form, 100%. Um, felt like, I felt like to start with, we didn't have an initial, we didn't have an initial, like, booster out like that. And I felt a little bit like he come back a little bit, um, I don't know if stung's the right word, but from his time at Walsall, you could tell mm. he it was a little bit more... Um, I don't know what the right word is. Um, like he'd been let down by his... He felt probably that he'd been let down by his players at times and things like that. And you could sort of see that a little bit when he came back. And I thought it took him a little bit of time to adapt and start giving players that trust again. And he got, obviously he got a couple of his own players in, which obviously always helped. And then I think we, we picked up... Um, we weren't perfect by any stretch, but we were picking up regular points. We I think we'd been away to Harrogate and won. We went away to Bromley and won. Uh, we'd start started to get some half decent performances. And I think we'd have had more than enough to to make make sure we stayed out of it. Uh, and yeah. I, I look back and yeah, I think he'd done a. It was a tough. I remember thinking this is like the whole atmosphere around the club was really negative. Obviously, yeah. I'm not saying it shouldn't have been. By the way, uh, it, and he and obviously he come back with a little bit of like it, you know it wasn't like before yeah, where yeah. everyone loved him. Like it had a little bit split. So. Um, I think the job he did was was really really good when I look back and I think like fair play to him. Yeah, should have got should have got more credit than what he got for it. Fair to say it was a bit of an edgy season, wasn't it? I mean, um, yeah, just quickly on JJ Hooper, that that's that injury stuff that was going on with him that season. What do you, do you have any insight into into that? Because um, you know, w- w- is there a sense that he was too nervous to take? <clears throat> do you know what was going on? I think in, injuries. With all players, are so it's so hard to judge. Like I, I look back at my career, and you like obviously I know what I played through. So you you think you're praying for you obviously as a player, I think oh my pain threshold was pretty good. I remember, for example, like the first season I joined, I had a, got injured in pre-season, barely played, 
the first game of the season, like there was no way I should have played in a million years, wasn't fit. Think he's like, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Like basically just like <laughs> there's no way I wasn't gonna play. Uh, and I remember like I remember thinking the first three or four games I actually was playing okay, which probably helped me get through it. But I remember thinking going into games like I didn't fit didn't feel right. Um some players can't play through that. You don't know where each player's pain threshold is. So, um, and maybe a little bit at times he was frustrating because you thought, come on, JJ, it can't be that bad. But who are we to know whether it was that bad or not? You know, mm. I try at the time you find it frustrating because you want him out there because he can have such a positive influence when he's when he's at his best. He was he was really really good. Um, so that was hard at the time. I got really frustrated with it. Looking back now. He was. He might have been just as frustrated, you know. He just showed it in a different way. Like people yeah. have different emotions. Um, so yeah. So it's it's an hard one to to say really. But 100, we could have done with him out there more. But I just think if you look at and this, trying to this is one of the hard things in football is especially football fans can't separate the football player and the football person. This mm. is nothing personal against JJ, but something's gonna miss in his career for him to end up where he's ended up because ability wise he should have he should have had a football league career really for for a good 10, 12 years, you know. Yeah, it's a real shame, isn't it? I saw that he was at Gloucester uh, at yeah. the end of last season, but not sure what's hopefully he'll get something and, and he can and, and definitely his injury problems will have played a part in obviously mm. his, his decline. But um yeah, he was he's definitely natural abilities. He was quick, strong, good touch, good finisher, like yeah. Had all the attributes you'd want, but for whatever reason, didn't didn't quite work out. Uh, well, look towards the end of the season. Uh, obviously, you were already club captain. Uh, Wrexham had taken you into their hearts, but I feel like it was uh, during the pandemic that the town of Wrexham and the people of Wrexham really took you into their hearts. Because, of course, for people who don't know, you carried on working um, and you took up a few jobs. Can you tell us about that and why? And, and sort of the thought process behind that decision because it was quite rare. There we go. There he is. There we are. Outside the fountain. What a haircut. Oh, what a haircut. That's a oh. pandemic haircut. That's a lockdown <laughs> cut. <laughs> I tell you, a funny story about that haircut. I was shaving. I mean, I was shaving it short, but I had just a pair of clippers that I had in the house. So I'm shaving it. I take the end off to obviously clean it because my hair was quite thick. Just forgot to put it back on. Went like that twice and then obviously realized and thought, I'm. Got to take it all off here because I'm absolutely <laughs> messed up. Um, but yeah, but yeah. No. T- tell us about the um, the decision. I'm going to pop a light on because I've uh, it's all gone dark here. Uh, but tell us about the decision for carrying on working and you know why you made it. Uh, I think the initial part to talk about is obviously the going going into the pandemic. Football gets ended. Blah blah blah. Didn't know how long it was going to end for initially, so there's obviously no thoughts or anything like that straight away. But then we obviously get furloughed, and I think something that group of players, for as much as it struggled as a group of players for the football club, actually as a group of people, we were asked to take pay cuts basically by going on to furlough, no top ups. So obviously, if you were above whatever, like I was on, oh well, I'll say it in one way, I was on nine hundred pound a week. At Wrexham, so I take I go on to six hundred pound a week, I lose three hundred pound a week. I Spencer explained the reasons why the club needed to do that. I explained it to the group. There was a couple that sorted themselves out with the club, so I'm not sure exactly what they did in the end. I don't know if they I obviously won't name any names, and that don't they 
took the pay cuts or whatever going on to furlough. But the rest of the group, without any real, you know, there was a couple of questions like, well, what happens if the club get the money back? Like, are we going to get it back, basically? Actually, that group of people took a decision for the benefit of that football club pretty much straight away to put it in a safe and good position. And like, I look back at it and for as poor as they formed, that was, you know, that was that was a big decision to make because football league clubs, for example, had the power of the PFA where when clubs asked them to take, go on to furlough, if they didn't get topped up, they'd just say no and the PFA would back them up, basically. Um, in the National League, you don't have any of that. I went to the PFA to try and get advice. I set up a group with all the National League captains. Um, basically, we just wanted to, me and one of the other captains, wanted to try and make sure everybody, in the, forget just Wrexham players, but everybody in the National League that at least was going to get the furlough money because some of the clubs were talking about they couldn't put the players on furlough and they were going to get, not get paid at all. So it was, it was a mental time. So initially all that stuff went on, but that group of players took a, a selfless decision and I think they deserve a lot of credit as people for that uh, as in terms of what they did for the for Exxon Football Club because at the time, obviously nobody knew how long it was going to go on for. And I remember Spencer saying, like, there's, he didn't tell me how much it was, but X amount of money in the bank. And if it goes, like... That, that would be it sort of thing. There would be no more. So um, I thought that was good. Um, so basically what happened was, obviously that happened initially, Rich. Rich, I, I don't know if you'd asked me straight away, Rich, or what, but you, I remember you obviously asked, and I said no originally. I said, look, I can't because obviously we might be going back. I didn't. I felt a little bit uncomfortable doing it. I didn't know. Um, but I said like 100% at some point we'll try and do something. And then it just started off as you'd asked me just come and deliver like it. And I was like, so once, basically, once it become apparent we weren't going back anytime soon, anything like that, I just, like, Rich asked again. I was like, yeah, of course, we'll, like, just thought, I thought it'd just be one night to start with. And then ended up being every day and every night. <laughs> um, Five days a week. It was, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And me and Rich have obviously, even now, like, built up a really, really good friendship, like, best of friends, I'd say, really. Um so, and that had built up over the first couple of years. I remember Rich going to the Fat Bar originally and then, like, obviously got to know Rich and he'd asked me to do a couple of bits. I'd always say to you, it's now, Rich, like, I thought the Fat Bar had been going for 10, 15 years. I didn't realise he'd only just started it the year before. So that, obviously, without me knowing, probably would have helped having the football club link and blah, blah, blah. But Rich was always great to us as a group of players and, not just me personally, but as a group of players, I remember, for example, in that Sam Ricketts season, I think you had as 30 of us in yeah, for a three-course yeah. meal for, it might be yes. free. Yeah, Sam Ricketts knows me for that. Does he? <laughs> 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 um, and, and so, like, as in terms of, like, he'd done so much for us, I just felt like to be able to give him a bit back was, like, why would I not do that? And then, obviously, it went down really well and then people obviously started ringing and asking if, they could have me deliver the food, so I'd have my set list each night separate. And it just, yeah, it was obviously nice to be able to go out and do that. The Tesco thing was basically, obviously, I'd gone on to furlough. I uh, remember speaking to Spencer, um, asking the question about, look, like, some lads were, some lads were on, obviously, a lot less money than me, uh, were losing money. Asked if they basically could get a bit of work. Originally, the answer was no, because of something to do with a furlough, and then it obviously become apparent we could. And I just, like, I was sat at home. Obviously, it was great because I got to spend time with my family and stuff like that. We didn't, we had a, I don't know if a great time is the right word, the right thing to use, but actually, never again in my life am I probably going to get that much family time 
with my little ones. But, you know, not many people get that much time with their little children at that stage of their life. As Rich probably knows now with such young ones, like, I got to see a lot through that time. So, um, But then at the same time, it was an opportunity to go and make some of that money that I was losing back up and just... I've always been somebody that works. I'm always going to be somebody that drafts. It's just in me. So the opportunity came up. There was quite a few jobs going at Tesco's at the time, and I ended up doing nights for God knows how long, really. I can't remember, a couple of months, and and obviously helping Rich out with different bits of jobs along the way for quite quite a while. I, looking back, I thoroughly enjoyed it, to be honest with you. It was like, as in terms of as much as I love spending time with the wife and kids, been stuck in the house constantly all the time it was nice to be able to actually sort of have some normality in a way even though working at Tesco's wasn't my normality it, it became a little bit of normality actually he spoke to different people it was different and uh it was the yeah just the I always remember being in like the fat ball for example and like uh, a couple of lads worked in there who like constantly give a stick and stuff like that and obviously I give them a stick back and just try to explain to them about like if they got an order wrong that's no different to somebody making a mistake on a pitch, but how, like, actually yeah. getting an order wrong, it's not the end of the world, but somebody makes a mistake did, did on a pitch. Did you take the, the opportunity to scream at them and oh, boo yeah. at them in the kitchen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, had yeah a, did. we had a couple of moments, didn't we, Rich? Where I just, like, what are you doing? Like, obviously joking, but, like, I was saying, that's what you do to us on a Saturday when somebody messes up, basically. <laughs> um, so it was, uh, it was, yeah, it's just nice. And I think what people, the reason why people took to it was, uh, obviously given a bit back, but also is I think they just see, and that was the one thing with me living in the town, is actually they just see you're just a normal person. You're no different to everybody else. Like I'm just a normal working class person. If people say hello and are friendly to me, I'll say hello and friendly back. And like I like talking. So people talk to me. Some players, you know, some players are a little bit more shy, shy, maybe different things don't want to talk at all. I don't mind talking. I'm quite a social person. So it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was a good opportunity. Last question quickly. So you had nights at Tesco and then delivery driving for a local despot. Which one was your favourite? Oh, definitely Tesco. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. To be fair, some, some of the, uh, I, I had a good laugh at a couple, there's a couple of, a couple of old boys that worked at Tesco and they, like, they'd come down and they'd be like, you pat their hammer me like you passed it, blah, blah, blah. And then, I'd be like, how are you still working here at 75? Obviously, they'd only be about 60 or whatever. So we had some enjoyable time. It was a little bit like football dressing room banter at times. So it just brought a little bit of normality. But one good story was when the uh, <laughs> when COVID broke out and the football club had decided to do a thing, um, basically, we were going to ring around season ticket holders and ask them if they're okay, if they've got the support they need and all this sort of stuff. And, um, I got the over 80s bracket. So I'm ringing through. Most are fantastic. One guy, I rang off my wife's phone. And I think he still texts my wife to this day. Like, <laughs> asking like just yeah random stuff about football, which is great. Um, but I ring this one guy. I ring up, hi, Sean Pearson from Wrexham Football Club. Obviously doesn't, he asks, he's like, I think he said, who are like South Captain, Sean Pearson, Wrexham Football Club. Doesn't obviously register. Registers that it's Wrexham Football Club. Look, just ringing to make sure you're okay. Have you got sport? He's like, yeah, that's I really appreciate that. And then he and then he goes, what can I just say? What happened last season? And I went, I was like, oh, terrible one. It blah blah blah. Then he goes, and that captain, I don't know what's happened to him, but he was useless. <laughs> 
I'm on the other end of the phone to obviously an 80 year old, 80 odd year old bloke. And I, I, I like, initially I think like, what, what can I say? So I go, yeah, terrible, wasn't he? <laughs> what, what can I say? By and, the way, uh, yeah. Sean, my granddad says hi. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh-huh. um, yeah, such a, obviously, so funny looking back on it, like, in terms of, it just be genuine, obviously, he didn't think I was very good. And, uh, yeah, fun, funny, like, now I look back with uh, humour on it. Rich, how did Sean rate? Oh, he was horrendous. Um, but we, we got that, but we got to the point, I always remember, we got to the point, do you remember where you were obviously doing it in Wrexham, so then people in Mould started complaining that, that that he wasn't doing it in Mould as well. <laughs> so, so I was like, right, I'm going to have to send you to Mould, mate, for Friday night, because I'm getting a bit sticky that I, you're doing Wrexham. Now, obviously, in fairness to Wrexham, you know, everything's quite quite close by, but some of the some of the addresses <laughs> in mould would be a bit challenging, like you know, sort of four or five. We, I think we were doing five or six miles radius at the time, weren't we? Yeah. So like five or six miles outside of mould can can sometimes take you out, you know, out into the sticks a little bit. So we sort of set all these deliveries up, haven't we? And uh like it was timing-wise, but you I always remember you had to get back somewhere. And uh <laughs> so it basically was a kid's birthday and like we so we said yeah yeah don't worry we'll get Sean Pearson to, to deliver the, the food and he'll say happy birthday but time had got to the point that because everything's taken so long like we couldn't Sean had to come back to Wrexham so this so then like I get this irate lady ringing the next day basically saying oh, I'd ruined I'd ruined her you know her son's birthday <laughs> oh, yeah, I apologize massively anyway next thing my dad rings me and he starts having a go at me about it. And I'm thinking, how does my dad know about this? And it turns out it's my dad's next door neighbour. Uh, it cost me two shine shirts that I had in, in the back. I had to, I had to go around there myself and apologise because, because the superstar wasn't available and, uh, and uh, they, they were expecting him. So, uh, but it was good. And you're doing yourself a disservice as well because you also did, not only did you do, like not many people know this, you did Tesco's, you did us. You had a couple of days labouring, knocking walls down up in rows. Uh, and then there was also the estate agents that you did a day for, showing people around houses who wanted to buy houses, wasn't there? Yeah. So, Just, it got to the point of two things. jobs. At one point, you had five jobs going on. <laughs> the football club as well. I'll never forget doing, uh, doing the knocking that kitchen out. I remember starting it with this lad labouring for a day, Valley who obviously does a bit for Rich, just said, look, like, need some help. I was like, yeah, I'll come down, give you a hand for a day, like, and uh, knocking his kitchen out, going fine, easy. Then next thing you know, we're trying to knock the floor out and this floor would not come up for love no money. I've got blisters all over my hands. I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Like, why am I ended up trying to bash this kitchen floor to me? It's what I'm doing, but thankfully we got out. I've got to, I've got to, like, have my, my moment on the, uh, the delivery thing because I found a picture. There it is. If you can see it, yeah, with a mask on, <laughs> with the mask on, looking like an idiot. So yeah, wild times. But I, I don't think you should ever underestimate how important that was for people locally. Because for me, like even now, I, I, I still buzz about it. It's one. It's one of those you, you just tell people. I oh, remember that time yeah. the uh, the Wrexham captain came to deliver pizzas for like, the second or third occasion, and yeah. while pandemic spread on the go there. But it, it made a big difference, genuinely. Like, not just yeah, no, yeah, to Wrexham fans, but I think just people in general, because like you said, we were just inside, stuck. And it just, it was a bit, 
It was a crazy time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a crap time. So, it, you know, crazy it was like time. a proper boost, proper boost for everybody. So, yeah, good yeah. time. Just on that one, did you ever have, apart from the old fella who give you some jip on the phone, did you ever have any, ever have any sort of awkward customers who didn't know you were and they were just a bit of chopsy? Uh, no, not really. No, they were all pretty good. You get the odd one where, like, they'd moan about food, how long it'd taken or whatever. And then the one I used to always say to Rich was, like, obviously some people some people would ring and ask for you, and then some people wouldn't. And you get to the door and they'd obviously be like, oh, I didn't expect you. And then they want to talk to you for, like, 10, 15 minutes, which was no issue for me at all. Like, you'd stand and give people time of day and chat away. And I'd get back and I'd say to Rich, like, if they ring up and say their food's cold, it's their fault for standing and chatting for 15 minutes. <laughs> Not our fault with the delivery light. So, um, no, it was, yeah, it was, it, it, I, I look back on it with, I, I think this is what footballers, and I mean Wrexham now especially, but footballers have such a platform um, to be able to have such positive influences. And now not every footballer is comfortable being so social and, and doing things like that. So 100%, I'm not saying every footballer should do it, but throughout my whole career, and that's, generally why I think especially in the two towns that I played full-time at Grimsley and Wrexham I think why people sort of did to me a little bit was because actually you can give so much or well I say give so much you can give little and actually it means so much to the people that are getting that little bit of your time and I just think footballers that don't sort of do that are actually missing a massive opportunity themselves to be, it creates something special really is in terms of a bond and a feel-good factor that can... I always remember it as an under-nine player when I was a kid. Graham Murray played for York City, come and delivered our trophies. And, like, to me, that was the world at the time, like, professional footballer. Wow, like, amazing. So, to be able to go back and do that myself, like, why why would you not do that type of thing? So, let's let's bring it back to the uh, to the football, your fourth and final season. Um, I think there quite a few new defenders came at the start of that season. Did you did you feel like your place might have been under threat at that point? Because I think that you might have been struggling with injuries in around that time. I can't quite. quite I was quite I was struggling with an injury, and really looking back at the end of my second season, I should have gone in and had the operation done then. Looking back in hindsight, but that was one of them where I didn't want to basically did like felt like oh I'll get to the summer, have a break, it'll be okay pre-season. I haven't basically was having injections get another injection, start the season. Wasn't having to have injections every game, but sort of like every three, four months, have an injection. It's be all right for a couple of months. Just kept putting it off, basically. Um, remember coming back, started that pre-season. Had a long time off as in terms of rest. Felt okay, but a couple of weeks into the pre-season, not sure if it was just, not sure what, but like we started to feel it pretty quick. And the injection now, because I've had that many of them, wasn't really having an effect on it as in terms of the pain. So I remember like, saying I could do with having it work like basically treated on Keith Sam was basically like well you can't until I get another centre half in basically um, so like that's why I ended up getting which was totally understandable I was a bit like thinking oh still I might be alright I might be alright and then um, I think you got Kells in pretty late and then it it become pretty obvious that I could go and get it done so I went and got it done um, that was the only time I think I look back in my career obviously been dropped a couple of times, but actually I don't think I'd ever missed more than maybe two or three games in a row with an injury. And that was the first time in my whole career where I'd missed actually a substantial amount of games. Um and yeah, that was that was really tough to be fair. But I'm as I've proven in my time at Grimsey really, I'm never one that 
I'll always be somebody that's supportive, whether they're playing in my position. If they're, you know, it's not a, and this is what a lot of footballers I think find hard is they take it personally when they get taken out of the team or whatever. It's not a personal thing. It's just a manager making a decision that he thinks is the best best for the team. It's not a, I don't like you. It's just I think he's better in the team than you at the minute. That's not a, do you know what I mean? I think a lot of players struggle to process that. They take it very personally. But so um, even if I'd have been out of the team on selection issues, I'd have just been just I'd have been frustrated and I wanted to play. Don't mm. ever, you know. There can never be no mistake about that, but I'll never be anything other than supportive to the person in my position as well. So, away from the pitch then, for a moment, everything suddenly changes, um, inevitably for the better, as it transpires. Just tell us how you heard, where were you when you first heard it? and, and Before the news came out of it being Robin Ryan, did you suspect who it was? I know there's a lot of rumours about Russell Crowe, this, that and the other. Just take us through that process of when you heard and who you thought it was going to be before it came out. I can't remember exactly if there's any rumours going about before. Spencer pulled us, basically. The group of players sat out in the stand while well, social distancing, so I'd sit apart and all that. And, uh, just said to us that, basically, there was somebody's made a bid for the club. We'll never believe who it is when we hear, but you can't tell us who it is. Um, and that was basically... He said a little bit more, but basically that was what he left us with. So at that point, no idea really. And then obviously as time went on, there's rumours, but never at any point did the did we did we oh I definitely didn't know that it was obviously Robin Ryan at any point. I think literally the night we got told, maybe an hour before we got told, someone said, Oh, apparently it's these two guys. Like and I'll be honest, I'm not over I'm not overly thinking with like famous people and stuff. So it wasn't like to me, I'm not like it wasn't like whoa, but I, I sort of got it. it was going to be a, a bit well. I did. I think no. If I'm honest, I didn't get how big it was going to be. Um, but yeah, and then we obviously found out. And I can't remember. I can't really remember the initial start. Obviously, there was nothing. Nothing really changed to start with. To be honest with you, anyway. So obviously, the, you know, the they come in. You're non plus because you're like, well, I think I know who they are. I know who they are now. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of the early days of that takeover with with the Welcome to Wrexham documentary crew coming in, how was that um, for the group of players? Because all of a sudden you're going about <coughs> your, your daily business um, and just left to your own devices. The next minute, it's like, oh, we've got this extended crew of people that we've never been used to before. Was that? Was that quite a difficult transition to get used to? Yeah, definitely. As in terms of the dressing room and the day-to-day things um, at the club, that was definitely a massive change and took a little bit of adapting to um, a trust thing as much as anything. People mm. we don't know, obviously. And, and you get quite close as a group in football generally. Not every group does, but most groups get pretty close over the season and letting new people come in is not always... Footballers don't like change. Normally, they're like routine, they like things to be the same. So that was definitely um, something that had to be adapted to. Even probably, I would imagine, the gaffer having to do his team talks, things like that, like probably never had anybody videoing what he was doing or what he was saying. So whether you then start to second guess and start to think about what you're saying in moments like that. Um, and then, obviously, you'll do some things naturally and then they would ask you, like, oh, can you do that again? Because obviously, like, the basic want that moment. So I'm not saying a lot of it's like that, but some moments are a little bit. So then it, it 
yeah, it's a little bit awkward at times because you you might have like I don't know, or like for example, I was being very sportive from the side. A little bit, I'd be like that anyway. I was like that with Grimsby, but actually, a couple of times, Pizzi would send me the opposite side of the ground. Obviously, no fans in, like basically, like just be a, a message for us that side. Basically, like get onto people that side. Whatever you see, you can obviously relay things to them. So a little bit like part of staff in a sense. Uh, but then because of there's nobody else saying, you can obviously hear my voice. So then they obviously want to feel me, and that become a little bit awkward at times because then you feel like oh. It's not just natural. You feel like, oh, like just a bit awkward in terms of camera. But but to be fair, the camera crew and the people at works were like top draw. They couldn't have over the season, them as people couldn't have made us feel more comfortable with them being there and actually built our built our trust to a point. Although I would say a little bit towards the end of the season, we'll probably get onto this, but a little bit actually towards the end of the season, it was maybe a little bit, it felt as though we didn't fit the storyline a little bit. Like if this group got promoted, does that fit the storyline? And that was a little bit, I don't know if us against them is the right thing, but there was a little bit of that. And I, I remember having a chat with John Pennion, who was the main guy that was a director's right word or whatever. And like him having to reassure me that, and I was obviously in relaying that message to the players. Um, but it was there was some difficult times as well, without a doubt. Interesting, very interesting. If I uh, if I said to you hashtag no goals no sleep, who's the uh, player that springs to mind? Played him at Grimsley first. Uh, yeah, Hadi Yusuf, funny character. Tell us about the bus. Tell us about the bus because. Amazing. We all know. Addy sits at the back of the bus. Obviously, Gaffer's at the front of the bus. The bit I learned afterwards, Gaffer's already had a phone call, so Gaffer already knows what going, what's going on, but Addy doesn't know that the Gaffer knows. So, like, where we have, like, a card school, Addy never comes to the card school, like, don't, didn't play cards, not with us anyway. Um, and I, he's, like, hovering. Near, and I, I just remember, th- like, what, like what's he doing then he's like obviously basically said told us that he's um, basically got an opportunity to go but he needs to get off like doesn't know whether to go tell the gaffer or go ask the gaffer obviously this gaff, the gaffer knows at this point but obviously the gaffer's going to make him come down and ask because obviously if that's what he wants and he needs to come and ask for it and uh, it's just yeah just funny like awkward really awkward situation and then Obviously, he goes down, speaks to him, and we end up stopping at some random services on the way down. So I think it would have been Eastley, maybe at the time. I'm not 100% yeah. sure, but somewhere yeah. that Like, we were pretty close to where we were getting to as well. So yeah, I ended up stopping and he wishes the lads all the best. And, and I suppose that's football in a nutshell, really, as in terms of that football does change like that in an instance. Um, and yeah, and off, off he got, and that was the last we saw of it. <laughs> which was. It- Bizarre looking back, but it just, yeah, I remember Pete speaks Keatsy that night and he's like, I already knew his agent and spoke to me, but I just love how he like let him stew on it for a bit and be nervous <laughs> about coming down to the form. Who, who had the extra leg room on the, on the coach on the way home then? Who, who was he sat next to? You? I can't remember. Who would have been? Who would have been there? It would have been Kwame Thomas. Um, I can't remember who was there that season. Who would have been? Who would it have been? So, yeah, it would have been that season, wouldn't it? So it yeah. was down the back end. So Addy's gone. 
Um, we probably needed some fresh blood in January, some you know, proper players of, of a decent quality. And um, enter Christopher Sang. Uh, probably not the sort of player we were expecting. Um, I mean, do, do you feel sort of Dean was let down in terms of that that sort of transfer window? Was he backed? That was it. Was that was that was. That was he definitely wasn't backed, you know, and that's not, this is a hard bit to talk about because it can come across as though you're like bitter or things like that. And that's everybody, everybody knows you're not bitter, Sean. It was frustrating. I look back on it with a lot of frustration because I would say that group of players we had at Wrexham that year was similar, maybe not quite as good, but similar to the group we had at Grimsby last year is in terms of, if you look back at our record throughout the season, wasn't great, but actually we were, we come from behind loads of times. We had a good spirit. Again, it was another group that lacked quality really overall. Um, if you look at where the players have ended up, they've sort of found the level. Theo and Kells have both stepped up League Two. That was never within doubt, really. Um, some of the other players have fallen down. Some of the players have fallen out of the game altogether. And I think that was pretty apparent at the time. But I just remember speaking to Keatsy and I'm not sure where it went wrong because the understanding I was getting was that he was going to be backed with money. Um, again, going back to Andy Cook, he'd <laughs> not said it was going to be guaranteed, but it was that that was a sort of player that was getting mentioned to me as in terms of who we might sign. Um, and then the next minute, and by the way, this is no, um, there's no slant on the people we signed because like gold come in and actually gold on the tail, for example, come in and actually did well for us and a really good guy, like as in terms of his application to the group, um, Keanu Marsh-Brown, who I'd heard a few different stories about, actually a really good guy. And he was the one, actually, he was just unfit, which was his issue. Actually, he actually had the quality, which could have made a difference for us, but just wasn't up to the pace. He'd been playing abroad, probably a little bit slower game, I would imagine. Just wasn't up to the pace what we need to be at uh, to really have that effect, what what, what we were hoping for. Um, and, you look back and just think. I just look back and just think. If we'd assigned Paul Paul Mullin, example that that, uh, that January, I'm not saying we'd got promoted, but we'd have got in the playoffs without a doubt. We only needed. I think if we'd have won the last game, we'd have finished fifth instead of eighth. Um, so we'd have needed two or three more goals with a couple of better players. Percent we'd have got there. And just the frustrating bit is that group had a belief and a bit of a just a naivety about it, where actually we were never beaten. There was no even the Dagenham game at the end. Dreadful. Like should have got beat. Should have got beat five or six. We equalised in the last minute, and then we should we should have scored a winner. Dior should pass it to me, which I've relived in my head a million times. Like I've probably not relived a moment in football more than that one. Like in terms of like I'm just I'm thinking I'm thinking about I'm going to celebrate. I'll be honest. Like in terms of there'd been that season there'd been I think obviously everybody's seen the bit with Paul Rutherford. He obviously is upset because of the challenge he makes, but actually I think that was just a whole emotion of the whole season. It was it was really challenging and tough um, as a season with there was a massive expectation on us all of a sudden on a group of players that were no way like as in terms of financially we were probably I don't know I'd be amazed if we were halfway the financial team that we had that year you know the budget sorry so. Um, I think, yeah, again, I think I, I, Dean doesn't 
maybe we should have got in the playoffs. So it's hard to say credit, but actually he did a good job that year. When you look, in my opinion, when you look back at the players he was given in January, especially or that he was able to get in January, um, I'm not 100 percent sure what went on, but that was frustrating. And you know, I've spoken to Robin Ryan since leaving the club, and if they asked me, I'd, I'd be honest and, and tell them the same things of what I found really difficult. You know, that that first year nothing really changed. That was the disappointing thing. We turned up, we didn't really know where we were training. There was actually a lot of bits that were, and this isn't uh, a, a dig at them or anything like that, you know. Obviously, when you when you think about it in hindsight, nothing was going to change overnight. It took time. COVID was still there. They couldn't travel over. Um, there was, yeah, there was just, just a lot of things that were, from the outside, it looked fantastic. And actually, from the inside, it was it was really tough and challenging and like I say, as in terms of not maybe fitting the storyline, the for example, the player bonus thing. I remember the club obviously wanted to release the player bonus, like this incentive. Um, they asked me if the players were happy for that. I asked the players, we as a group didn't want that to be released. Felt like nobody else's bonuses would ever get released like that, really. Um, and I get why the club did it, because they're obviously trying to get this field of factor and boom, this is the impact Rob and Ryan are making. But that was a moment, a little bit, little moments like that where and, and the signings that were made a little bit where it's like, well, do they really want this group of players to go up? Um, and that, yeah, that was that was frustrating. I'm not saying we'd have gone up anyway, but it, it would have obviously, we'd have had a better opportunity potentially. To have come sort of so close to getting to the playoffs and, and with it going down to that last day, missing out. Um, do you feel, I mean, we all know now that, that Dean was never staying, but do you feel like he should have, did he did, did he feel he deserved another crack at it going into that that, that season after? Um, it's difficult. It's difficult to say. From a personal point of view, 100%, because I like Dean, I work well with him, but if you look at it from like, no difference to you sign what you believe are better players, like, if you now are in a position to go and get... It's like, I don't know, for example, Man United, Man United, Chelsea, whatever, this summer, Pep Guardiola becomes available this summer. Pretty much every team, if they have the opportunity to get him, are probably going to take him. So if you can improve anything in your club, that's the ruthlessness of football. Like, if that's what they want to do. They want to go to the Premier League is obviously what gets talked about and... If that's what you want to do, you have to constantly look to evolve and improve. You can't, and that's going to be part of the challenge and the test along the way. I think probably for the club is actually as supporters, you get an affiliation to some of them players now that have obviously got the club out of the national league. But actually, at some point, there's going to have to be some ruthless decisions where actually these players aren't going to be what we require moving forwards, and it's that's going to be a difficult thing for the club to do without a doubt. Um, so. Looking back, going back to the Dean question, I, as ruthless as it is, I fully understand, understand why they did what they did. The only thing I found surprising was that they didn't have it already done. Right. You see what I mean? Like a little bit, I know that's a little bit behind your back, but that, that I think everybody knows that sort of does happen in football in general, like in terms of, I thought they would have had somebody lined up um, and obviously they didn't. So take us to, to you before we start kind of, wrapping up um how close were you to staying on because i i remember i was like i was gutted when you left i was like oh, fucking, 
can't believe it. Um, tell, take us through it, because obviously you ended up getting a longer deal with Grimsby, but how close were you to, to, to sticking with Wrexham? I, so people, some people don't believe this. Genuinely, I'd, had, I'd spoke to Paul a few times about different players. Not at any point had he made any indication that he wanted to bring back to the club. I then speak to, so we get to the end of the season. I have no idea what's going on. Obviously, we find out Dean gets, he's not staying on. I then get a phone call, I think it was on a Sunday, from Sean Harvey, explaining to me what's going to happen for the rest of the players. Can you let the rest of the players know? Basically, the decisions on Monday, which I was I was really grateful for because the important thing for me at that point, something I kept trying to drum home to the club, was players need to have... Like, don't there's always one or two players where it comes down to a last-minute thing and you, you don't know who's going to get kept and who doesn't get kept. But in general, most players would have an idea. That summer, I don't think anybody had a clue, really, of what was going to happen. So we get to the... Is that... It's just come up saying that your network bandwidth is low. Is that right? Is that all right? Oh, that's sorry, yeah. Sorry, I thought I'd lost you. You um, still sound so, good. Yeah. So we... Um, so, yeah, so great, because I thought that's what the players needed. That was my big thing constantly, all the time. Like, basically, as a leader of that group of players, I wanted to protect that group of players. No matter what people thought of them as footballers, it's people they need to know. So, uh, in that same phone call, Sean Harvey says to me, basically, like, good news for yourself, we want to keep you. Fantastic. We were, we go out for food that night. We didn't have kids that weekend. We go out for food that night, celebrate with our next door neighbours. We went to... No, we didn't go to the fat ball. <laughs> went for a nice meal. Yeah, we went for good food. We were with our neighbours somewhere. It was a bit further away. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember, to be honest. But we went for food and we... might have been... I can't remember. And don't we worry about and we, yeah, Carry on. We were celebrating. And, uh, so celebrating to a point. I was really relieved as much as anything because I'd only played the last... I can't remember how many games, but 13 games. And I felt like I played really well, but it's not long, like, so I didn't really know what was going to happen. And then, funnily enough, I get a text that night off somebody at Notts County who just asking what's the situation. She said to him, look, like, I'm speaking to Exxon tomorrow. I'd be amazed if I don't sign here. Like, basically, I'm not interested, but I'll let you know after tomorrow. I then go in to the club in the morning, um, agree a deal. Um, a bit frustrating is in terms of so like again don't want to come across bad but as in terms of what they they offer me a deal they offer me a pay cut basically I negotiate we get it back up so it ends up £900 a week again I was delighted like I would have happily stayed for it so I agree the deal I would sign it there and then happy to sign it they say to me oh can you come back in a couple of hours um we can't, like, we've not got it written up, basically, and we've got a couple of meetings to do stuff. Uh, I'm like, yeah, no problem. What time do you want me back? Uh, I think Sean Harvey. I got, well, I got well with Sean Harvey, so it's not a slant on him anyway. Um, says three o'clock, and I said, yeah, that's fine. And then he went, oh, no, I've got something on at three. Come back at four. So I'm like, yeah, fine. So I then go outside. I do an interview with the um, documentary team as though I've signed the contract, talking like, how pleased, blah, 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 and all this. Then obviously go home, get a phone call at about three o'clock, funnily enough, off Paul Hurst, speak to him. He asked me, doesn't ask about myself, start asking me about Theo Vassell. 
I say to him, 100% I'd take him. He's obviously been released. I was really surprised that they'd be released there. I was like, 100% I'd take him. Obviously, Grimsby now in National League is without a doubt. Like, definitely take him, have that conversation. I think the conversation's going to end. And then he just says, like, oh, how about yourself? And I'm like, oh, well, just agreed a deal. And he's like, have you signed? I was like, oh, going to go back in an hour and sign it. And he was like, oh, can you get him to hold off? And I was like, my response was, he's taking the piss because I didn't like, he's got quite a dry sense of humour. So I didn't know if he was like <laughs> having me on a little bit. And he's like, no, he's like, 100%. He said, like, basically, and when I spoke to the chairman at Grimsby, they just said to me, look, the moment he come back to the club, he said to us, like, basically, we have to get Sean Pearson back at the club if we can in the summer. Um, so that was obviously a nice thing to hear. Um, so I turned back up at the ground. The documentary team were there filming me. And I, like, get out of the car. I'm like, I'm like, obviously, doing this, I just say, like, and at this point, I'm not saying I'm going back to him. I'm like, don't, like, don't film it, basically. Like, I'm not obviously going to sign it. So I go in and speak to Sean and say, look, like, I need to, at this point, I've not talked contracts with Grimsby or anything, but I said, look, like, Paul Hurst, I've worked with him for years and years. I, I want to speak, like, I want to speak to him, I want to hear what he says. Speak to him that night, he offers me a one-year deal. Uh, money was, I think, the same, like, yeah, the same money, one-year deal. Uh, I speak to Clarice, I'm like, basically, not. we're not going to go back, it's too big a move, like, I was happy where I was, blah, blah, bring him back. He's like, well, what would make a difference? I'm like, two years. It'd have to be two years for a starter. Um, money wasn't really, money never really come into the equations in terms of negotiation. So he's like, I can't do two years. And so I'm like, I have another day to think about it, basically. So I'm thinking about it. He then rings me and he's like, look, like, I'm going to give you, if you want the two years, I'll give you the two years. But like, from Paul Hurst's point of view, he's like, I don't want to get into a, right, I've got this here now, Rex, and give you this now. He was like, basically, like, if I'm going to give this, like, I need a decision whether that's a yes or a no. And in the meantime, at this point, in, in my whole time, while I was at the club, I never spoke to Rob or Ryan. Uh, there was nobody, there's no manager. There's nobody telling me where I was going to fit in. And I remember speaking to Sean Harvey and asking, like, basically, I, when are you going to get a manager? Like, is it going to be in the next few days? Because if it is, I'll get him to hold off so I can speak to manager. And he said, look, we're look we, it's a while away, basically. Um, looking at a couple of weeks and I, I didn't know where I was going to fit in um, and obviously we had a third child on the way at the time Grimsley's Clarice my wife home all these things played into it and then in the end um, that opportunity of coming back to play for Paul Hurst and then the Grimsley chairman ring me they're also new owners at the time basically speaks to me about their vision for me long term with the club so like basically not just going to be a player but after you finish playing there'll be basically there will be a job for you um, stuff like this I'm like thinking well it becoming a no-brainer as in the sense of I was desperate to stay in the game when I finished playing that's why I've made the decision, decision to retire this summer because I feel I've got an opportunity that's too much to turn down um, and it become a it become a, a decision where it was like this is the right opportunity it was a really difficult one I'm for Ritual vouch for me on this for the next probably year. There's so many times where you're up at like we moved back, but up and down, like, did we do the right thing? Did we not do the right thing? And we absolutely love the sides, both sides of the coin, which we absolutely love, is in terms of just living in life, never mind the football. Um, but I'm obviously thankful that both sets of fans sort of 
I have such a, an affiliation with both sets of fans. But obviously then, yeah, sort of come to that decision. And then that was um, just felt like I knew where I stood. They said I didn't like, potentially, I could sign a new deal and in six weeks' time almost be told, well, you're not going to be wanted. Not, I'm not, I don't think that would have really happened, but that was where it could have been and it would have been a one-year deal. I look at it now with the manager that they appointed, I think I would have probably got on well. Well, I spoke to Phil Parkinson when the first game when uh, we played at Blundell Park, I think it was early on in the season. I spoke to him before the game. That night I had a good conversation with I, I didn't know Phil previously that and I come away from that conversation thinking like, I probably would have worked well with him. I think it, we would have liked each other character-wise, but you know, that's just football and how it works out. And, you know, um, I'm grateful for what I've been able to come back and be a part of here. Um, you know, to have that promotion with Paul Hurst, Chris Doig, James McEwen, other people within the football club that I have a real bond with for a long period of time is, is something that's really special. Um, but at the same time, I'd be lying if I didn't say, and I told Luke Young this anyway, that I wasn't a little bit envious when he was the one that lifted the trophy. Superb. Can't, can't, get, can't get much more of a an in-depth answer than that. So um, I'll I'll give it over to Andy to hit you with some some quick-fire questions before we wrap up, because I know you've been nearly on for two hours. Did they, get everything in? Did they get everything in there, Rich? Spoke to Rich and Rich knows it all anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do, do you know what? I don't think I don't think there's a single Wrexham fan who would doubt anything that you've said is absolutely gospel. Um, but if anybody wants me to confirm it, yeah, because I, I, I actually remember the day because I'd gone out for lunch at a different establishment and um <laughs> and I and I always remember we were out for lunch and my phone went and it was you and uh I just I went outside and took the call and I came back. And Jay says to me, you're right. I went, I think he's going. <laughs> and and, uh, and, I, and I remember the dilemma that you went through over the next sort of 24, 48 hours. Yeah, that, painful. It, yeah. And, and, and I remember and speaking to you, I remember saying to you as your mate, I was like, listen, as, as a Wrexham fan, I, I, I want you to stay. Uh, you know, I, as your mate, I was like, I need you to stay. Like, who am I going to play golf with on a Monday morning? <laughs> like, you know, it's, uh, but, but, you know, then, I think what was I? I'd have I'd have had one lad, yeah. Oh, just 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 my son at the time, and I think the minute the minute the deal became two over one, and then given the things that you've said about you know not knowing who the manager was, etc., I don't think anybody can honestly say that from a personal point of view, you, you actually made the decision you had to make. It, it wasn't a case of a right or wrong one. It was the one that was correct for, yeah. for the circumstance of having at the time three kids. Um, yeah. But I won't. I won't pretend that you know. I was one of the fans that that I was devastated, and uh, and I always remember my first ever endeavour onto this podcast. And and Mr. Mr. Gilpin hit me with a question of, well, we've just Sean Pearson's left us because he couldn't get a two year deal, and we've just handed Ben Toes a three year deal. How do you feel about that? I was like, bloody <laughs> hell, right? <yeah." laughs> I was like, and, here we go. And, and that's my point. Like, in terms of, I don't want to. I hope none of it ever. I hope none of it comes across trying to have a dig at anybody, anything like that, because it's not at all. And I've, thankfully, I have really good relationships, even with, for example, when we got promoted, Sean Harvey sent me a message saying congratulations, vice versa, when it happened this year. And um, funnily enough, spoke to both Rob and Ryan a few times since leaving the club and and obviously got on really great and they've been fantastic with me. Um, so as in terms of things like that, so I, don't, I wouldn't ever want it to come across like that. I'm, 
just being honest, and that's that's how it played out. I think Sean, you asked the question, you answered it as honestly as you could. I don't, and, and you know, as just to echo what Rich said, no Wrexham fan thinks ill of you for for taking that that no. two-year deal. Maybe that fella that you phoned up. Um, <laughs> he was delighted. Yeah, he, he drove did. to Grimsby. He was delighted. He was, he was buzzing to get rid of it. And and if you look at it now, like I look at it now, the quality of players that they've signed, like, and this isn't trying to put a slant on myself or anything like that. Like the club's going, it's going one way, you know, and they're only going to get better and better, and they're ambitious in the way they're doing. It's fantastic. So the one thing I like to I think maybe if I'd have stayed is looking at how it's set up but I think I would have probably fallen into a role on the non-playing staff anyway but I wasn't to know that at the time so but Sean uh, you could always and, say that you beat Wrexham back to the Football League so I mean I know yeah and that, that game was obviously crazy game crazy right game. I know you said you were a grafter but this has been nearly two hours two hours of hard <laughs> graft and after this you've got to drive down and knock my kitchen wall out so you know you we, we need to we need to tie this up a little bit. So what I'm going to do is, before I get into the quick fire, we do something called the Fearless in Devotion moment. And it's over your four seasons at Wrexham, the one moment that sort of filled you with most pride sort of playing for the club. Anything that comes to mind? The obvious one's the Chester, the Chester moment, obviously, was fantastic. But to be fair, like, the groups of people, especially the first couple of years and, and, and the last year, to be fair, just the the pride I felt like, for example, the pride in moments of like someone like Jordan Davis, like that second half of the season, he obviously started to kick on before obviously having an excellent season here after I left. But I feel like I had a real positive positive influence on people like that at times and really helped him progress and adapt and things like that. And just I look back at pride with the relationships are probably is the right word. The relationships I built and uh, you know, I look back and I'm proud of the work I've done as in terms of that side of things as well. Right. Let's do the quick fire. So first person that comes into your mind, uh, for your time at Wrexham, who's the most skillful? Skillful. Dan Jarvis. Yeah. A lot few few have said that. Um the, the second one is and Sean Pearson has been the answer to this a few times. Who is the worst dressed? Worst dressed. Um uh... Oh, Rob Lane, I've got to tell him, because he always wore the same two trackies for God knows how long. He's, he's another popular answer, I'll be honest. <laughs> who is the most underrated player who didn't really get the plaudits? Rudds gets a lot of love now, but didn't always get the love he deserved. Like, as in terms of, he was, um, yeah, just just a, a proper team person, as in terms of, like, what he brought to the group was uh, irreplaceable, really. Um. Who was the biggest moaner? Apart from me, James Jennings. Got me and Jenna. We were like, yeah, never like not not moaners in bad ways, moaners in good ways. But um, yeah, we we really did enjoy moan. Right, and last one from me. Um, and you can't answer Mike Mike Fondoff on this. Who is the player you'd least? Oh, who's the, it? Doesn't have to be a player. Who would you least like to fight? Least like to fight. Jay Harris, it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. He would have like, yeah, he yeah, he wouldn't have been a clean fighter, Joe. He would have done anything to uh, great guy, but yeah, wouldn't have done anything to uh, to get one over on you. 
No, that, that gives me nightmares. A um, couple of last quick ones, Sean, as well. Um, I mean, when Wrexham finally did get promoted, uh, I'm guessing, you know, you were pretty pleased. Uh, were there were there members of the squad that you messaged? Who did you who did you get in contact with? I spoke pretty much everybody I was, so like everybody I was there with, really. Max Fleur, uh, Youngie, Youngie obviously had text, said like, amazing moment for him to lift that trophy and deserved it. Like, in terms of, if there was anybody that could have lifted it instead of me, I would have picked him every day of the week, you know, who, for as quiet as he is off the pitch, a real leader is in terms of the way he plays and applies himself on a daily basis. Um, Jordan Davis, Rob Layton, who pretends that he doesn't like the force and doesn't like to be in the limelight, but I think he secretly loves it, especially because all of a sudden when they went to Vegas, he was all over Instagram after never doing anything on Instagram <laughs> for a couple of years. You know, all of a sudden we're getting video after video on there. So um, <laughs> please, yeah, tag him in that as well, let him know. Um, so, yeah, no, all, all the lads that I was there with. Um, and, uh, yeah, just really, really pleased for the people like Rich or like yourselves like just people that I got to know in my time there who I knew had been through and this is this not to say that the new fans so to speak are not allowed to enjoy it 100% enjoy it because they're part of the journey but actually the people that have been through them real dark times and stuck down there and thinking it's never going to end I was just really pleased that they finally got that moment that they'd uh, been waiting for really yeah no screw the new fans we've earned this <laughs> and if you're a new fan listening to this Turn off. We don't. We don't want you to listen. Yeah. Andy's eyes are panicking now. But oh, no, can can we just say we want all the new fans <laughs> to listen? We're yeah, yeah. very welcome in this broad church of Wrexham. Yeah. That's a that's um, a beautiful part of the story, though, isn't it? Like about people that are now into it, and actually, two things actually. It saddens me in a way because that was my one thing at the whole time at the club. Like you could see that potential there, and almost like like why could we not? Why could we not get that? Yeah. You know, I remember Spence Harris telling me, who was well, never said this earlier, Spence telling me at the time about um, the takeover and actually me saying, Spence, like, it's fantastic, love it, blah, blah, blah. But actually, a part of me in that initial moment looked sad because to have done it as a supporter's own thing mm. would have been really special, in a different way, would have been really yeah. special too. But sorry, go on. No, you're totally right. Funnily enough, we've discussed that a few times on the podcast. You're absolutely right. I think, you know, nothing would have been more wonderful than beating Fleetwood to that title, for example, and then all going up in 2018, like as yeah, a fan zone yeah. club, uh, it just wasn't to <coughs> be, unfortunately. No, um, yeah. Last question, I promise. Uh, you've just played in League Two. What can you tell us to expect? What can we expect uh, from League Two? What's the step up like? Uh, last season, I thought we, like, looking at us, we finished with 76 points, I think, when we come up. So, you look at the difference now, you finish with 111, which is obviously crazy. Uh, you're in a much better position than what we were. To come up. We managed to finish 11th. Now, 11th, we were still the top seven or eight. I think the top eight were, and there was a bit of a gap to them, to the rest of the team. So I'd say the top eight were, even though on some of the games we played them, didn't seem that much better. There was definitely a clear gap as in terms of them. So I think it'll be toughy up at the top end, but I'd be amazed if you're not challenging in an like that. Like as in terms, of it's easy to say. It's easy to say you're going to win the league, whatever. But I'd be amazed if Wrexham aren't in the top three, four spaces coming into the season. Just with even with the players they've got now, and obviously, I'm pretty sure they're going to obviously sign some new players this summer. So you'd imagine, um, yeah, I'd be amazed if if they don't take that step up in the stride. And same with Notts County. 
I think, again, it'll be a little bit different for them because obviously they lost Rodriguez, whether they hang on to Langstaff, could be a different ball game for them. Um, but, I'd, yeah, I'd be gobsmacked if Wrexham are up the top end and hopefully we can improve on last season and uh, get ourselves up the top end as well. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, Sean, thank you very much. Any last words for Sean, gents, before we all pass out and go to bed? <laughs> I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm the centre forward who's been up against him for for ninety minutes. It's been it's been so good, but bloody hell, put a shift in there, mate. Thanks, for, <laughs> thanks so much. No, thank, thank you, yeah. thank you for having me on that. I mean, it was just a collective thank you from from everybody here, but I think we speak on behalf of the majority of Wrexham fans that I think we would probably consider you as one of our very best players of, of the non-league era, if that makes any sort of complimentary sense. Um, yeah, no, you know, we, our, our kind of success stories for you know, the past 14, 15 seasons, but few and far between prior to the takeover. So, you know, it's always good when you get a player that comes along and kind of embodies what the club's all about. I think, you yeah. know, in terms of just, just laying it all on the line, we've had the Joey Joneses and all that sort of stuff. And, I think people kind of saw similarities to you in that sense and that you just, as soon as you go across that white line, you lay it all out there. And then obviously the side to that was was the human side that we saw with, yeah. the, with the delivery driving as well. So I think, you know, I don't think we can pay a, a greater compliment than, than that, to be honest. No, thank you. I loved, loved. It was challenging at times, especially in that third year, like I said, but uh, loved every minute of it. So thank you. And I'm sure Rich could find you a job Delivering stuff for nine hundred pound a week. Oh, Rich keeps <laughs> Rich keeps offering us uh, keeps offering my wife jobs all the time. It's texting her like, if you come back, I'll give you this job. Rich's masquerading as that eighty year old that keeps texting him. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Much appreciated. Cheers, cheers, Thank lads. You. Cheers. Thank you. And that, uh, that was the second part of, of Sean. Right, I think we're more or less it for this week. But before we go, we need to do predictions. So, Jake, stay on, do yours. Uh, firstly, Liam, two games coming up, isn't it? Walsall and Swindon. Swindon. Walsall and Swindon. What are you going there, mate? Uh, I fancy us to get our first three points in the bag on Tuesday against Walsall. So I'm going to go for a 3-1 home win. Um, give us a bit more confidence back. Um, and then against Swindon, I'm going to say a point on the road is always a good result. So a one all draw. It's at home. Yeah. It's a point on the road for oh. Swindon is a good result. Yeah. Oh, is it? <laughs> I've done all my research before I've come on today, as you can as you can well tell. So that, that journey to Swindon back to Wrexham that I was going to make, well, uh, oh, well, I won't need to do that now, will I? Okay. I'll still go, for, I'll still go one or I'll stick with my... I, I like a man who, uh, who who balls it up but then sticks to his guns in, in, the, same, <laughs> in the same thing. Right. Uh, like This is why the club needed to send out little memorandums of the season, the season tickets. 
It's all yeah. because of that. It's because it's all the club's fault. It's not mine. Yeah, as Liam turns up on the magic roundabout in Swindon on on, on Saturday, uh, eager for his match. Right, Tim, what do you think? Six points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I just think it will. I don't know why. I just. You know, we're, we're, we're still decent at home, irrespective of the first game. And I imagine that that will eventually tell. We've had a little bit of a bedding period now, you know, three day, three games in. Yeah, I think we'll be all right. I think um, we'll, we'll, we'll snatch a, a cheeky late win against Walsall, do what they did to Stockport the weekend. And then I think swing the game will be a bit more of a tighter affair. Um, it might just be a one goal in that one, but I fancy us to take the six points. Thank you very much. Uh a little bit like you, I think. I think we're going to definitely. Well, we're not going to definitely win. <laughs> no, no. I, I, that, that's roll back on that. Uh, I think we're going to beat. We're going to beat Walsall. Um, I, I think it's going to be about, probably about two nil. I think we're going to have more energy in midfield. I hope to see Luke Young start. Um, and then I think Swindon is going to be a lot tougher. But I think we can sneak it. I think it's going to be two one right at the end. Um, and that will be a pretty good start to the season all things considered, as we uh, recover from our U.S. hangover. Jay, what do you think? So I, I'm, I'm predicting two wins. Uh, I went on right. Tuesday and then I went on, went on Saturday. I, I think, you know, the crowd is definitely going to power the club forward. Uh, you know, they, uh, you know, they were dis- disappointed in the, in, in the MK Dons match. I think, you know, they're just going to drive the, the team forward on Tuesday. And so I see something like a, like a 2-0 two, game there and maybe like a 2-1 on Saturday versus Swindon. Great. Mostly positive all around, except from Liam, who doesn't even know where he is in the country. Um, on, <laughs> on, on that moment, we're going to tie it up for today. Thanks, thanks to everyone, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Take it easy. Cheers. Great, thank you.